Welcome back to Uncorked Monthly. This is Mark Powers, and recently I had an opportunity to interview winemaker Ray Corson of Purple Heart Wine. Purple Heart Wine is a Napa Valley red wine created to honor the bravery and commitment of America's military heroes. We're going to learn about his journey to becoming an accomplished California winemaker, what fuels his passion for the wine industry, and winemaking. We're also going to learn about his longtime friendship with the Mandavi family and what was his motivation to sign on for the project to make Purple Heart Wine. Listen in as I interview Ray Corson. Welcome back to Uncorked Monthly, everybody. Today we have a special Memorial Day featured interview for you. And Memorial Day is a day in which those who died in active military services and are remembered. And today I have three very special guests with me. Ray Corson, winemaker for Purple Heart Wines. Paul Engelert, uh, vice president and sa uh, of sales and marketing at C. Mandavi and Family. And Jeff Roy, chairman at the Purple Heart Foundation. Welcome to Uncork Monthly, gentlemen, and thank you, Ray and Jeff, for serving our country. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Appreciate that. I'm gonna, I'd am gonna. like to start off with some questions for Ray. Ray, are you ready? I'm ready to go. Okay, excellent. Well, as a veteran, you could, uh, if you could please tell us a little bit more about your role in the armed forces. Okay, uh, I was drafted in July of 68 and served in Vietnam um, I was with the 1st Division, and I was a machine gunner on an, um, an APC, an armored uh, personnel carrier. So I uh, spent 417 days and nights in Vietnam, and uh, I was one of the lucky people who didn't get wounded. So uh, this is a very close cause to me, you know, to help out the people who weren't so fortunate. Right. Yeah, um, I can only imagine, and, and, and we're, we're obviously very thankful that uh, you made it. And again, can't thank you enough for um, protecting our country and, and serving. And uh, so thank you for being here today. Ray, you're, you're outside of, of your uh, armed forces role, you're an accomplished California winemaker. Uh, in I, fact, I, they say I am anyway. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about that transition from being in the armed forces and, 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 you know, that transition from going from the armed forces to becoming a winemaker? Well, uh, it certainly didn't happen overnight. Uh, I got out of the Army in 70 and traveled around in Europe and Africa for a while and decided it's time for to finish my education. So I had thought I was going to have an orchard. So I went to University of Massachusetts uh, to study fruits and uh, vegetable science and got the wine bug. So in 83, my partner Nancy and I got serious, and I said, hey, let's move to California. I want to make wine. So in the fall of uh, 83, I worked at Mount Eden Winery, and then we moved up to Napa Valley, and I got a job for Tonello Vineyard Management Company. And that's where I started. Um, I got to work with a great old guy, Bocce Tinello, and six Mexican guys. And Bocce taught me why we do what we do, and the Mexican guys taught me how. Uh, from there, I got a job at Whitehall Lane in the tasting room and worked for some wonderful people. Um, and they kind of told me, if you want to go anywhere in this valley, you got to start your own brand. 
So we started the Elise label in 1987, um, and then in 1997, we finally bought our own little winery. So we're coming up on our 30th vintage. I know compared to the Mondavi family, that seems pretty small, but uh, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Uh, the guy I worked for White, at White Hall Lane, Art Finkelstein, he was a self-taught blender, and wow. that's what he really taught me, and that's where... You know, that's my style. I, I love the blending of grapes. I love putting a few things together and making something better from it. Fantastic. Well, I know the blending process. I mean, that is, that's an art and a science of winemaking right there. What, what would you say contributes to the refined palate that you must have in order to bring out the type of blend and the flavor uh, that you're seeking in your wine? You know, in in a way, it's almost like, putting a puzzle together and you look for a center core of the real strength of the blend, the base, and then you're just adding little nuances all around it and, you know, getting to know the different varieties and the different uh, appellations and understanding what each of them bring together. And that's really the deal is how to put these things together where everything shines through. And it's the synergism of the blend that truly makes the wine. Yeah, I, I've always been impressed with and amazed at something as little as a 1.5% difference in that blend makes a dramatic um, outcome of the final tasting. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you just think, really? But it, <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. Yes. Um, so you've been a longtime friend of the Mandavi family. Uh, when you were so when you were approached by the Mandavi family to be named as the head winemaker for Purple Heart Wines, what was the motivation to sign on to that project? Well, I mean, I think first of all, it was an honor to be asked. Um, you know, and again, it's like I've lost a lot of friends in Vietnam, and I, you know, we all have either family or friends who have served or who have been wounded or killed in the fight. So I think it's a thing that uh, it touched me very close to my heart, and I just said this would be a great idea to do this. And I was delighted that the Mondavi family would take this on. Ah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, and, and I definitely can tell, I mean, there's a lot of passion, and I would definitely say uh, you are an accomplished uh, California winemaker based on what I've heard thus far, so... <laughs> Congratulations. How, how does the um, the partnership with Purple Heart Foundation benefit the service men and women returning from overseas? Well, uh, the Mondavi family made a, a wonderful donation to the Purple Heart Foundation. And I think I'm going to turn you over to Paul for a little bit more about that information later on in the interview, and he'll tell you exactly how it goes. But uh, I went back to New York, and uh, everybody was tickled pink with the donation. Excellent, excellent. Um, so I read somewhere, uh, Ray, that you like to cook to relax, and that winemaking is cooking. Help our listeners understand what you mean by that. Well, you know, my, I'm I'm a cook. I'm not a chef, and I really do enjoy cooking. Uh, you know, I get to play with flavors. We always say chefs have more fun with than winemakers do because they can do it every day. And the beer makers can do it whenever they want. Us winemakers, we only get to do it once a year. Um, so I look at it as you're, you know, you're putting together a course, and you know, it's salt, pepper, herbs, 
where you got the lamb from or whatever you're cooking. It's the combination of those. So with winemaking, to me, it's simply cooking without a flame. Our fire is yeast. Right. And that's how I look at it. Um, we have an old vine zin that we make from the Marisoli Vineyard in Rutherford. And mm-hmm. there's eight varietals interplanted in the vineyard. And these old guys put them in there because there's a little bit of this flavor, a little bit of that flavor. And that's pretty much what cooking and winemaking is. It's a collection of nuances that fit together. Ah, it's creating an amazing sensory experience, isn't it? Right, exactly. Definitely. So tell us tell us about the 2013 Purple Heart wine. Well, the 2013, uh, it's Napa Valley. And it is a Merlot by percentage, although we've chosen not to call it. We call it a red wine. Um, but it is mostly Merlot. And so I believe we were up around 16 or 17 different samples. And a lot of the samples came from the Mondavi family's vineyards. Uh, some of the things didn't work exactly the way they were hoping in their regular blends. So we had the opportunity. And Stacy Clark and John, is it is it Boyer? Boyer, yes. Boyer. Uh, these guys really did the hard work. Um, they made great wine, and they gave this stuff to me to play with. And then we went out and found other varietals. There's Petit Verdot in there. Uh, there's Cab Franc. There's Cabernet in there. So it's a true Bordeaux blend. Excellent. Excellent. I'm... Uh... Looking forward to trying it. Uh, part of the Uncorked Monthly um, experience is that, you know, obviously the podcast featured interview, the article, uh, the New Bottle Experience, uh, which is our review and rating. And uh, that is a technology by a company called QuinnyWine.com, and they're phenomenal. So you'll see some, some pretty, uh, um, you know, really nice deliverables from us when we're done with the, uh, the Great. process. Well, I think the wine really delivers. Yeah, that's that's what I can I can only imagine by the way you explained it. Um, it sounds like a fantastic um, blend and a beautiful tasting wine with some amazing aromas, I'm sure. Um, so I, I also read somewhere, as I'm doing my research here, that you grew up on a dairy farm in um, in New Jersey. Right. And that's and and I think you said somewhere that you've always been a farmer at heart. What's what do you love most about being a farmer, or at least at heart, and what's what learnings from your childhood, you know, on that dairy farm, carried over to your winemaking style, technique, and or approach today? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a great creative thing on a farm. You know, growing crops, figuring out which crops grow best where. Uh, the real science is in breeding the herd. Uh, so all those things, and I was a young man when I was working on the farm. Uh, my sophomore year in high school, they sold the farm. They first sold the cattle, and we kept making uh, crops. And uh, so it went that way. Uh, my old joke is I kind of outgrew my need for milk, so it was time to get off the farm. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, the being outside is wonderful. Uh, you don't be able to walk around your be it your field, your cornfield, or your vineyard, uh, it's very satisfying. And, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but it's very satisfying. Tell our, you know, one thing that we like to do at Uncorked Monthly is try to identify one or two little 
little nuggets of information that you know our listeners can learn about you that perhaps nobody knows about that or uh, isn't found in other interviews or in a bio. Can you would you mind sharing something with our listeners that can't be found in an interview or a bio about yourself? Well, you know, I I look at winemaking as a very simplistic. The way I make wine is very simplistic. Um, our style is really our our process is slow, cool, gentle. Okay. Our style are rich, fruity wines. Uh, always fruit forward. Always fruit first. I drink wine to taste fruit. I want oak. I want tannins. I want balance. But I'm always thinking of the fruit because that's what you're pairing wine with. You're pairing wine with your meal. You're pairing wine with meats and vegetables and fruits. And it's something that's meant to go with it. And the great thing about wine is wine slows people down and lets them calm down at the table. You sit and you talk. You go over a few things. You laugh, you cry, whatever. Um, But it brings people together. Absolutely. I love that about wine, the, the community, if you will, around it. Um, well, Ray, I really do appreciate um, – I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to skip over to Paul right now, if you don't mind. So I, I know we, we have one of the questions here um, that we were going to uh, carry over to Paul. Perfect. And, and, and so let's, let's, uh, let's, let's do that. So I think – uh, Paul, welcome to the show, and, and you, you have a great deal of responsibility, I can tell, at uh, Simondavian Family, which, from what I've, can, what I've read, it covers a lot, brand communications, product innovation, strategic brand planning, and I also understand you have a reputation for creativity and messaging and innovative new product development. Did that play into creating the wine project, and where do you find the time? <laughs> Well, well, the the wine project itself is something that we were very passionate about. We were very committed to. So, regardless of whether we have the time, we're going to make the time. We we uh, reached out to the Purple Heart Foundation about three years ago, and Jeff Roy and I uh, initiated the conversation. Our parent company, Siemensavian Family, has been. Uh, supporting military causes for a number of years now, and we were looking for a way to maybe take that to the next level. And through a number of conversations with uh, Jeff Roy at the Purple Heart Foundation, uh, we were looking at a lot of different ideas. But you know, we kept coming back to the idea of let's you know create a wine together and name it Purple Heart. And creating a wine and selling a wine with Purple Heart on the label is it's an honor for us, but it's also a responsibility that we take very seriously. Our patriarch, Peter Mondavi Sr., was a veteran of World War II. Uh, Our vineyards that we uh, start with for this blend are literally in the shadow of a uh, veteran's home in Yountville, Napa Valley. So our company is uh, constantly thinking about military causes and when the idea for this wine came up, we reached out to uh, Jeff, uh, I mean, not Jeff, I'm sorry, reached out to Ray, uh, who not only is a longtime family friend, but uh, his vineyard is adjoining our vineyards in Yountville as well. So he's our next door neighbor. And it just really fell into place, uh, you know, having uh, such a great winemaking talent, having the partnership with the Purple Heart Foundation. 
And like a lot of people, I'm sure we're all very aware of the unmet needs of our veterans, the sacrifices they make, the uh, unfortunate challenges they face uh, when they return from serving our country. And we just wanted to do our part. It's, you know, this is not uh, a product that we created because uh, we were looking for ways to increase our bottom line. This was a product we created because it's it's the right thing to do, and we felt very good about this. Uh, excellent. I mean, that's that was actually going to be one of my other questions was, you know, what was the what was the vision for Purple Heart? You know, did you have a, a particular vision for Purple Heart, I should say, and, you know, around the wine and how the uh, Purple Heart Foundation kind of aligned and worked together? So I think that kind of sums it up there. Um, now, I know you guys make, a, you know, a pretty sizable or generous annual donations to the Purple Heart uh, Foundation. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what what that might look and feel like? Um, is it, you know, what time of the year do you guys do that? Um, what that process is to collect, uh, you know, donations? Sure. So, uh, when again, when we created the wine, uh, we wanted to uh, help veterans any way we could. And partnering mm-hmm. with the Purple Heart Foundation was uh, a natural thing for us to do. It's an organization that supports just amazing causes uh, that need to be addressed for veterans, from the treatment of post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, military sexual trauma, even assisting veterans with VA claims. We've all probably heard the horror stories of veterans waiting over a year just to see a doctor to get diagnosed. Well, the Purple yeah. Heart Foundation steps in and uh, helps people see doctors sooner and helps them with all the bureaucracy standing in the way. So our donation is uh, something we've negotiated up front with the Purple Heart Foundation. We donate a minimum of $10,000 a year, uh, up to $50,000. As the project grows, we will uh, revisit and renegotiate that, and we hope to continually increase our contribution as we go. Uh, but for us to be able to make this donation to the Purple Heart Foundation and also help raise awareness for the great work they're doing is really the sole purpose behind this line. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that is that's uh, that is that is absolutely beautiful. Um, love the cause, love the vision, the passion, the reason, everything behind it. Um, there's there's something I found uh, during my research on you, Paul, and I think this answers my question in my mind at least why you're so driven and successful in what you do is it seemed like it started out when you were a young boy you were a three-time newspaper carrier of the month 15 top 10 or uh, 15 time top in new subscriber sales as a paper boy and i think this was in the 80s what what was the motivation at that time and did that experience contribute to your success today or does that experience contribute to your success today well, I'm always careful about sharing that story because uh, I think it, uh, people sometimes ask, "Is that was that your professional peak?" And I, I hope that as a paper boy, that wasn't my uh, biggest contribution I'll make to this world. But uh, you know, I learned a lot about sales. This was a it was a different time back then when paper boys would ride their bikes uh, through inclement weather to deliver papers and go door to door to ask people if they wanted to subscribe and you know I think I learned a lot about uh you know how to sell and also how to handle rejection but uh I don't know I, I guess I was just driven the if you uh 
were a young teenager, you could make pretty decent money delivering papers in those days, so I just always wanted to uh, see how successful I could be. I don't know if it's uh, attributed a lot to my current career, but I suppose uh, you know everything we've done in our past uh, contributes to who we are today as people. So, yeah, I like to think those early successes of keeping me driven. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. I love it. The motivation and uh, vision and you know, here, here you are today in a very successful role doing amazing things. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I really do appreciate that story. And, and, and Ray, um, can't thank you enough as well. I mean, what a what a, an impressive background that you have as a, as a winemaker, as a, um, you know, being serving our country. And, you know, what one thing, Ray, what, what what's your favorite thing about wine in itself? I mean, beyond the chemistry of it, what what just you know what what's your favorite thing about wine i mean i i think it's really that it brings people together and you know like good things happen when people slow down share a meal together and i think that what's wine's really about my joke is if i'm thirsty i have a beer if i'm in a, if i'm in a hurry i have a martini but when i run, really want to enjoy myself it's sitting down to dinner with friends and sharing a bottle of wine that's Absolutely. the most fun for me you know, it's funny. I was I was out in Napa a few, um, actually about two months ago, and I was visiting uh, some friends. And one of the winemakers, uh, they were telling me in Napa, it takes a lot of beer to make good wine. <laughs> Did you find that? Well, I'm, too, I'm too old for beer anymore. You know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, beer is a young man's game. Yes. Well, I'm going to uh, move on to Jeff here. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much. And it's an absolute honor and pleasure to, to have uh, have you here as well. And Jeff, I from what I've read and, and the research I've done for today's interview, um, it looks like you entered the U.S. Army in 1963 as a, a helicopter mechanic. Um, tell tell our listeners a little bit about what led you down that path. I mean, as a child, were you dreaming of you know one day flying helicopters? What is what led you to that uh, particular career choice in the U.S. Army? Well, you know, I, I think that that certainly is part of it. I mean, uh, uh, as I was growing up, uh, of course, uh, my grandfather had served in World War One as an infantryman, and a number of uncles had served uh, during World War Two. And one of my uncles was a uh, uh, what was then an Army Air Corps uh, mechanic. And and we're still doing that as a civilian with the uh, Air Force Reserve. And so that was one of my interests. And and my other interest was to actually become a teacher. And uh, I decided uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I was accepted to a state teacher's college. Uh, But I was still thinking, you know, I wanted to do something different and aviation had always interested me, and I was able to um, enter in the Army. At that time, was just starting a guaranteed enlistment program, so you knew what school you were going to go to. Uh, so I qualified for a helicopter mechanic and uh, decided I would do that just just for a couple of years and uh, do a three-year enlistment and go back to college. Um, 
But once I got in the Army and started fixing them, I all got the bug that I figured I could start flying them. And as in that time period, then around uh, 1964 and 65, if people remember the history, the first air cab was building up, the Army was uh, increasing its uh, helicopter force, and they were looking for people. And luckily, I qualified for uh, flight school and, and graduated. And then that really became my passion. Wow, excellent. I mean, what a what a when I was researching you, I was amazed by the the, the history that you have as well. Um, many accomplishments. Uh, it, it's it's incredibly impressive that um, I mean you've earned so many military decorations, which include um, just to name a few. You know, the Master Armory um, Army Aviator designation the Distinguished Flying Cross, Bronze Star with Oak Leaf Cluster, Purple Heart. Um, you know, with that level of discipline uh, that it must take to earn such honors, would you mind sharing with our listeners what it takes to really maintain, you know, a heart of integrity, a heart that is honest and trustworthy and fair and righteousness and honorable? Well, I, uh, I, I'll give a lot of that to my, my parents and my faith. Uh, you know, as growing up as as a young man, uh, you know, my father and mother were very hardworking and uh, very honest people, and they owned their own business, and we grew up with that as the, you know, the way that, you know, we should live our life as well as uh, my my time in, in the church and, and having my, my faith. It all goes to that that level of character, I think. Um, the uh, and then you also learn, as uh, you know, I've said this to a lot of people before. You know, the military is not only a great place for for discipline, but it's a great place where you start learning, and in some cases at a very early age, uh, a lot of responsibility and the responsibility that all of a sudden you have, for example, as a Aircraft commander to the the crew of your helicopter, or to the to the passengers, and you know that that level of responsibility then carries on, and you you also learn you know as you move up in the system, the responsibility increases because now you're you're in charge of more people, um, and and to be successful. Uh, anybody that you're leading or managing, they have to trust you and they have to trust your judgment. And and and, and I think that just goes to the core of the character uh, all successful leaders have is that level of trust that people have that you'll you'll make the right decision. You also have to admit when you're wrong, but nine times out of ten, people trust that you're making the right decision. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing that. I know, I think, I uh, hope I, I, my research was right here, Jeff. You, you served two active duties um, from 1963, I believe, to 1973. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I served on active duty from 1963 to 1973. Uh, I, uh, I did two tours in Vietnam. 
uh, first tour was in February 67 to February 68, and I was wounded in February 68 during the Tet counteroffensive. Uh, I went back for my second tour in September 69 uh, to September 70, and after that tour, I was uh, based at the Army Aviation School at Fort Riker, Alabama, where I was an instructor for three years. And uh, at the end of that time, you know, I, I thought I wanted to get out and fly big airplanes for an airline. And I started to do that and come to find out uh, it was at that time no pay, wife, three kids. And then the Army offered me a job as a civilian pilot that paid three times the amount of money. So that started my career in government service. Uh, so I'd worked for the Army for seven years in the Army Reserve Program as a civilian uh, manager. And then I went on to work with the Federal Aviation Administration for another 20-some-odd years and ended up moving into uh, management and executive ranks with the Federal Aviation Administration. Excellent. Did did the now you mentioned uh, obviously you you when you were wounded I believe that was a nighttime um, incident that event in your life um, and that or that experience did that change you as a person and if it did was it instrumental at all uh, for some of the the accomplishments and successes that followed in your military career? You know I don't I don't know if it changed me that that much as a person as giving me the realization of how precious life really is and and that if you're going to do it, you, you have to have some sort of accomplishment with your life. You have to, I always say, you want to leave something behind and something positive, which is what drove me to join the, the Purple Heart organization and move up in that organization and continue on in the board of directors uh, to make sure the things that we're doing were were improving somebody else's life or helping somebody and and to me that's what is important i think uh like ray would tell you you know we always hear the stories about returning vietnam veterans and and the lack of treatment or unkind treatment that we had probably well, not probably that we did receive, and and that was more I think a motivation of for me uh, to make sure that the young men and women that served later, and and especially the ones coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, did not experience the same thing, and and that is still possible in today's world as 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 things. You, you still there, Jeff? You, you cut out there. Can it, uh, Paul, Roy, uh, Ray, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, okay. I can hear you. You can. We just we lost we lost Jeff there. Let's see if he uh, he'll come back here. So, Paul and uh, Ray, what 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 is the you know aside from what what the foundation stands for? What's really 
one, you know, each of you, what's what's one of the greatest accomplishments in your mind that you 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 contribute to them on a you know daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis in your own mind as as an individual for the for the overall cause? And maybe Ray, if you wouldn't mind starting. You know, it's to raise awareness. Uh, it's it's too easy for us to forget, and I think that's the real strength of this Purple Heart wine. It's yeah. you know you think about your son or daughter or your cousin or your neighbor, and that's what we really want to do. I mean, yes, we want to raise money to help with all the problems, and I wish our politicians would figure out a way to be a little bit more generous with the money going to the Purple Heart Foundation. Absolutely. But really, it's a matter of just raising that everyday awareness that people gave more than people could imagine. Right. Now, thank you for sharing that. And uh, Paul, what? How about you? Yeah, I, I'd have to second that. You know, the the awareness that we're raising is is it's so important. Generations ago, when our country would go to war. Uh, mm-hmm. our country would feel it. And today, you know, we can be in prolonged skirmishes overseas and the average person on the street really doesn't feel it. You know, they, there's really no impact to our daily lives of being at war. Yeah. But to many, many people who make these sacrifices, who are selfless, who are patriotic and put themselves in harm's way, uh, you know, we we need to honor them. We need to pay homage and respect to the sacrifices they're making and that's what we hope this wine accomplishes whether it's you know our public relations outreach whether it's just uh, as Ray was saying earlier you know sharing a wine um, you know having conversations with people if people are sharing this wine we hope that they have conversations about the sacrifices veterans make and yeah we can make financial contributions uh, all day long but uh, until our country really has a heightened awareness just of all these sacrifices that are being made. And quite frankly, the poor job that we're doing at paying these veterans back when they return from their service is something that we need to, you know, fix in this country. And we hope that we can do a small part uh, at fixing that problem with the Purple Heart Project. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely amazing and just wonderful. I mean, do you guys get a chance or an opportunity to actually meet, you know, some of the folks that come back off duty? Yeah, I can speak to that. Since we've uh, launched our website uh, and had our wines out in the market, which it's only been a couple of months now, we get right. messages uh, every week. And we've heard from veterans uh, serve, that have served in Korea and Vietnam in Iraq and Afghanistan, and also uh, current servicemen and women, uh, active duty, that see our product, and uh, it's the re- the reaction that we've seen has been pretty amazing. Uh, they actually are thanking us for what we're doing, which is the first time I've been involved in making a wine or uh, marketing a wine where we're getting people thanking us, but. They understand uh, the need to raise awareness behind this. And some of the stories that people have shared, um, particularly the Purple Heart recipients from all uh, the different um, wars that America has been in, have been profound and humbling. I mean, to, you know, to think of what we do on a daily basis and then to hear their, the sacrifices they've made and 
you know, their service, the stories uh, involved in their service are, uh, like I said, very humbling. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, it definitely is. I mean, just just going through their the, the Purple Heart Foundation's website uh, could be a, you know, and you you go and you hear the stories and you just read and it, it, it's an emotional uh, experience overall, and it really does become uh, an eye opener and a and a heart opener. And I think, you know, you, for what you guys are doing is, is absolutely um, stellar. Uh, to say the least, and uh, I, I just absolutely love love the opportunity to be aligned here with you guys. And the label on the wine bottle is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Fantastic packaging. It, it is. Um, I mean, a great looking bottle. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing tasting wine for an absolute necessary and important cause, right? Definitely. I- Absolutely. You know, we're very happy with the packaging. Again, we wanted to be respectful to the name Purple Heart, and we think we've accomplished that. And equally as important, we wanted to make sure that it was befitting the quality of the wine that Ray was able to put in the bottle. So I think we've uh, both done our jobs. We're very happy with it. Well, congratulations on that. I don't know if Jeff uh, doesn't look like Jeff. Oh, you are back, Jeff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Great, great. Well, welcome back. Um, another question for you, Jeff, and then we're almost done here. Please tell us about the military order of the Purple Heart, and does someone need to be uh, an, an, you know, a Purple Heart recipient or member of the military order of the Purple Heart organization to actually become a member? Yes, the, the, the membership is for uh, Purple Heart recipients, but we uh, also have an associate member. And the associate member can be uh, wife, mother, father, brother, or sister of a Purple Heart recipient. And and then we also have our ladies' auxiliary, uh, which, again, uh, in the case of ladies' auxiliary, my daughter and granddaughter are members of the ladies' auxiliary. Um, so it's the... Purple Heart organization is is under the same congressional charter as what people would know as the American Legion or the BFW, except we like to say that uh, our our membership are the uh, uh, it's a lot smaller, but it's the true combat veteran that belongs to our group. Right. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, it's been. An absolute honor, as I said earlier, to to meet the three of you uh, for spending a portion of your afternoon with Uncorked Monthly and our listeners. Thank you so much. Um, in closing, I, I just, again, want to truly appreciate or uh, uh, thank you and appreciate the time that you did spend today. Um, for our Uncorked Monthly listeners, you can visit purpleheartwines.com forward slash shop to purchase Purple Heart Wine. And you can visit purpleheartfoundation.org to make a donation today and to learn more about their programs and how a little generosity can help change a life. Um, you guys, thank you so much. Uh, Ray, Paul, Jeff, you guys have a fantastic day. And, and Juliana, thank you for helping uh, bring this together today. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Mark. We appreciate the opportunity to help you know, the, or your help getting our word out. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Mark, you come out and yeah. see us. Paul and I will buy you a glass of wine. 
Hey, I will, uh, I, I will take you up on that. I'll be out there probably in a, eh, about within the next 30 days, I'll be back in Napa. Great. All righty. I'll knock Looking on the door. You. I'll buy you guys a glass of wine. All right. <laughs> All right. You guys have a fantastic day. And again, thank you so much for everything you're doing for our country. Uh, keep up the amazing, honorable work. And um, yeah, so thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. This is Mark Powers, founder and editor-in-chief of Uncorked Monthly, and I want to thank you for listening. Our mission is to bring wine industry people, their passion, and their stories to the world. For us, it's all about bringing a new way for everyday wine lovers to explore wine. Join us next time for another Uncorked Monthly featured interview.